Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to be discussing an article from the May issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled, Protein is Not Protein is Not Protein. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by one of the co-authors, Hannah Greenwell, who's a Nebraska Extension Educator. Thanks for joining me today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I thought the title of your article was quite catchy, but also quite applicable as we think about cattle nutrient requirements, specifically thinking about protein requirements and how we really do need to understand the type of protein that those cattle need based on the class of cattle and also their stage of production. Share with us more about that article and why you think it's important to understand different types of protein. Absolutely. So like you mentioned, it's not just as simple as we're short protein, so let's plug in this feed stuff that we have sitting around and, and we're going to move forward in the direction that the goals that we want to have for supplementing that animal. There's a lot of variation in how we can do that. And that's the beauty of the cattle industry is we all do it differently so that we can all do it best within our resources. And so making sure that we understand that protein type of what is truly demanded by the animal. What, what are we looking to accomplish when we put additional feedstuffs or even a, a total mixed ration, what are we looking to accomplish when we put a feedstuff in front of that animal? Are we trying to simply maintain? Are, it, are we looking at a, a dry cow who is simply just gestating? Are we looking at a, uh, a replacement heifer who we're breeding for the first time? Are we looking at a second calf heifer that we're trying to get rebred with a calf on our side? So we're facing a lactation curve. And then there's also the baseline of just growing calves, whether that look like a calf that we are just right at weaning, or right now we can talk about how we're taking cattle to grass. Those growing requirements look very, very different compared to that dry cow who's just trying to maintain. And so how do we take that nutrition required and the specific situation of animal and class of animal, and we pair that properly with what our feed provided or nutrition provided resources are in our area and do it the most economically and efficient way so that we can make sure that we're looking at feedstuffs that are going to meet that supplementation goal, that are providing the right kind of, of protein. And we can talk more about the types of protein here shortly, but make sure that that feedstuff is truly doing what we're, our supplementation goals are as we desire them to be. Let's talk about the different types of protein. In the article you highlight, there's really two, rumen degradable protein and rumen undegradable protein. Help us understand the difference between those two and why understanding the differences is important. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the simple one to understand is going to be your rumen degradable protein. And you might hear people refer to it as RDP. That is the protein that is solely meant for feeding the microbes or the rumen population of bugs that exists to ferment and break down forages. This is, this is a superpower of the cattle industry. We're able to take those undesirable protein sources that we as humans don't necessarily break down, but cattle can do it for us. And so that is what that protein source does. It feeds the microbes within the rumen environment. So it doesn't, it's not necessarily directly accessible to the animal. The other half of that, and I shouldn't say half because each feed stuff has its own component of these different types of protein. And so the other portion of that would be rumen undegradable protein. Um, really, really creative there, but you, you get the point and that it's, and some people refer to it as RUP. This protein is uh, very well protected as it moves through the rumen 
and passes postrumally, you know, into the lower portion of the digestive tract. You see a lot of this absorbed in the small intestine. This acts more like protein that we see absorbed in our bodies. And so this is what you would see as what is directly available to the animal. So you're, you're dealing with two different things you're trying to feed here. You've got the microbes in the rumen, and then you've got the animal itself. And so there's two different portions of that. Now, each feedstuff has a different percentage of RUP and RDP, and we can measure that. that there's a lot of uh, research behind that. You can find that in, in those nutrition resources. And so you might see a feedstuff that is 30% RDP, but 70% RUP. And then the reverse, you can flip that, and one might be 70% RDP and 30% RUP. And so it just depends. There's an opportunity to break down that cost based on whether you're trying to supplement something that's just maintaining or you're trying to supplement something that is you're trying to get a growing requirement out of or a lactation requirement, et cetera. Um, and then if it's okay, I would like to dive into the other component of the type of protein because we measure protein and feedstuffs as RDP and RUP. However, we talk about animal requirements more so in RDP and MP, or also known as metabolizable protein. And so it's hard to make sure that we connect those dots as easily as we can, because we're talking supplied nutrition in one reference, and then we're talking nutrition required in a different reference. And what that metabolizable protein component is, it is that RUP component of the feedstuff. However, it also adds back in microbial crude protein. And what that is, is it's just a nice way of saying that the microbes, as they start to turn over, they reach the end of their lifespan, they have to leave the animal some way. And so they pass further through the digestive tract. They become available as a protein source to the animal in the small intestine. And so therefore, it's actually a component of the metabolizable protein paired with the RUP to be able to adequately capture true protein available to the animal as it passes through that digestive tract. And so that's why I, I like to, it gets in the weeds pretty deep, but I think it does a really, you've got to really have that open conversation about protein type and where, where that requirement comes from so that we understand that we're not starting to overfeed protein and we can really do some precision nutrition management, especially whenever we see higher feed prices um, higher require or higher need of sourcing feeds. Um, it just, it can really help make sure that we are toning, tuning into that high feed cost that we put into these cattle each year. Let's talk a little bit about the differences in types of protein and just compare two protein sources that we see frequently used in Nebraska. I'm going to pick here alfalfa hay and also distillers dry grains. Those are two protein sources frequently fed to cattle in Nebraska, but pretty drastically different in terms of the type of protein present. Walk through with us a little bit, just understanding the difference between alfalfa hay and distiller's grains and how we might think differently about using that protein source. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's start with the alfalfa, or I've got it as in the article, it's down as alfalfa cubes because that's where they have the measured RDP, RUP portions, but it applies across most alfalfa products. You see here that alfalfa is going to be 68.8. So let's say 70% rumen degradable protein. And so 30% of that is going to be rumen undegradable protein. So where you're going to want to focus that on that type of protein 
is going to be really, really good for, say, a gestating cow. As we see her requirements start to increase slightly, um, and I know I'm slightly biased being in the Sandhills. This is where a lot of my focus is, is, is how can you creatively supplement protein to cows? But this honestly is a really good way to do that because those cows have a rooming capacity that is big enough. They have enough microbes that exist that a large portion of that metabolizable protein requirement is going to come from the turnover of microbes. So they're creating a lot of microbial, microbial crude protein and so they don't necessarily always need additional RUP. Let me let me make sure that's clear. You don't need a lot of additional rumen undegradable protein because they're creating that with their rumen microbes. However, you still need to make sure you're feeding that microbe population enough. And so making sure that you are truly meeting that protein requirement. And so that's why this higher RDP feed stuff can really uh, come into play. It's It's a good forage because you got to have that good, those good carbohydrates paired with it. And so that comes together in a forage product such as alfalfa hay, but really amps up a higher protein, you know, because you're looking at range feedstuffs. You know, if your hay gets down into, you know, that five or 6% crude protein and you're trying to hit that 7% crude protein requirement, this is a really uh, good way to do that in a smaller package. And Aaron, I don't know if you'd have anything else to add to that from a, from a supplementation standpoint. We see it a lot in the cow side. Oh, the other thing I would mention, you know, whenever you do see alfalfa show up in calf diets, it's not normally the whole portion of forage. It, there are some places where you could you can make that work, but a lot of times you're mixing that alfalfa with another forage type because, again, it's, it's a pretty strong shot of protein, and that way you're able to do it in a smaller package. Yeah, I think what you hit on there, you know, we're thinking about a gestating cow. So her protein requirements are low to begin with. And also she is mature. So she's, while she's got a calf growing inside of her, uh, she's not still growing herself. So her protein requirements, as we think about a percent of her body weight are, are simply less than they would be if we're thinking about a 550 pound calf. Yeah, exactly. And so that's where you see it come into play in those calf diets, because you're getting that bigger punch in a smaller package. And so you're increasing that passage rate. You're allowing, you know, they don't have the vat that that cow does. And so you're able to, to utilize a little more, a higher passage rate feed stuff in that respect. Well, let's talk about the calf that was just weaned from that cow and she's, you know, now dry, but that calf that was weaned, we're growing it through the winter. This is where something like dried distillers grains and the value of rumen undegradable protein really becomes important. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, that dry distillers grains is basically flipped. And so as we to put some context in the, the conversation, it is dry or dry distillers grains or distillers products are 30% rumen degradable protein and they're 70% rumen undegradable protein. So we've completely flipped that that component. And so basically we're, we're this is a different target of what we're trying to do with distillers. And so that growing calf is going to have a higher RUP requirement naturally as a percent of their body weight because they're, they're trying to provide for their growing requirements. They're still developing some skeletal uh, structure. They're trying to put down some more muscle. They're building different body components at that point than that cow is because she has reached that mature size. And so being able to have that higher RUP provided is going to match their higher RUP required. 
And again, back to the rumen population, you're not going to absorb a lot of uh, microbial, cru microbial crude protein um, because they just have a smaller rumen altogether. And so you can't, there's a little bit of that, but it's really hard to factor that in because it is a, it's a minor portion of their metabolizable protein requirement. Um, and so therefore that's why we like to see a little bit higher RUP supplemented in those growing animal diets, you know, and not just those growing calves. You start to talk about um, your, your replacement heifers that you're breeding up for the first year. Um, this is pretty critical because you don't want them to be pulling down on the other portions of their body um, to meet that protein requirement while they're also trying to perform reproductive functions. And then beyond that, you know, you start to think about that. We've got our first calf heifers that are getting ready to go in and be bred. They're, they have the demands of a lactation curve, a growing curve, and as well as we're hoping that they're, we're going to get those heifers bred back. That's why we see a lot of fallout in that years from one to two and two to three. Um, so that means that there's a possibly a good opportunity for some more precision nutrition management as far as do we pull them off? Do we supplement them differently? Are we providing enough opportunity for them to compete with the mature cows if they're in that same bunch um, in our methods of feeding, our management, our types of feedstuffs we're sourcing. And that's why you see distillers grains so readily used across um, our state, not only because of accessibility and supply, um, but again, economically, it's very hard to find another feedstuff that is 70% rumen undegradable protein at the price that we see distillers coming out across the state. Anna, anything else on this topic you think would be valuable to know and understand as we point towards wrapping this up? No, I think that it's just, it's good to be able to make sure that you are, as you think about, uh, you know, we, it's easy for us to start the conversation with, okay, so what nutrition can I provide? Um, and really the conversation should start with what's nutrition is required. Um, and then that can help us dive into a little bit more um, narrow focus of where we should be sinking some more cost into. Um, and then as always, we're, you know, our system is very big on making sure that you're pricing those feedstuffs based on their nutrient content. And so that looks like, you know, what is it per pound of rumen undegradable protein, not just pounds as fed. Make sure you, you, when you do that economic analysis, you make sure you're thinking about what is it going to cost me to put X amount of rumen undegradable protein in front of this animal. And then there, that way you can compare feedstuffs evenly across your supplementation goals. Thanks again for joining me today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, for more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. Again, the title of today's article, Protein is Not Protein is Not Protein.